We are so glad you've joined us today for our Thursday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we are continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. As you recall at this point, uh, the people of Israel have rejected God. They have rejected God as being their king. They now request from Samuel that they give him a king to judge and rule over them. They want to be like the other nations. Uh, His sons don't walk like he did. And so instead of going to him and saying, hey, your sons don't walk like you. And so if you were to die, what is that you want us to do? Uh, because they're not godly like you are. And so they didn't do that. Instead, they came up with the answer themselves and said, you need to give us a king. And so God tells Samuel to listen to the voice of the people. Um, He tells them that, hey, this is not a reflection of you. This is a reflection of me. They're rejecting me as their God. And so uh, if they want a king, then explain to them what that's going to mean. And so he does. He explains to them that he's going to take a tenth uh, of taxes, uh, he's going to tax them, and a tenth of their produce from the ground, as well as a tenth of their herds, as well as he's going to take their sons to be in his army and their daughters to serve in his household. And the people said, okay, but we still want a king. So we get to be introduced to this guy in chapter 9 uh, by the name of Saul. And so we saw him last week, Saul, the son of Kish from the tribe of Benjamin, His father sends Saul and his servant to look for some lost donkeys. And since Saul is from Gibeah, which is smack in the middle of the tribe of Benjamin, to look for lost donkeys, he goes to the area of the land of Shalisha, as well as Shalim and Zuf, which is in the land of Benjamin, which is about a six-mile radius is what he's looking for, these donkeys. And he's only gone for about three days. Um, And so then they go to Ramah where he finds Samuel. And the reason they're in that city is because the servant of his says, hey, I know a guy in this city, and he is a prophet of God, and so let's go ask him what happened to the donkeys. And so um, if there's a man in the city uh, that is a prophet of God, it means that this man is from this city, he lives in this city. Uh, we know according to 1 Samuel seven seventeen that Samuel lived in Ramah, and so that's how we personally believe that this is Ramah, this is the city that uh, he goes to. Uh, so it's here in Ramah that God tells Samuel that he will meet the future king of Israel the day before Saul actually ri- arrives in Ramah. And so when Saul meets with Samuel and tells him his donkeys have been found and are back home, then Saul continues to tell Samuel in verse 19 of chapter 9, Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. So Saul eats with Samuel, which is a real honor, and he treats him like a king, and he sets him there at the head of the table there. And it says in verse 24, so the cook took up the thigh, which is the upper part, and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, here it is, what was kept back, it was set apart for you. Eat, for until this time it has been kept for you, since I set it to invite the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. And that area of the, uh, of the thigh there is the same word used in Leviticus 7.32, which speaks of the priest, that, that, that section uh, of that offering is reserved for the priest as well as to his sons, according to Leviticus chapter 7, verse 32. And so this offering is reserved for uh, the high priest and his sons. And so Samuel offering this portion to, uh, to Saul is saying, in essence, I am the high priest, you are my son. 
And so kind of an adoption takes place here. Uh, Samuel honors Saul by placing him at the head of the table. Um, And so Saul is being adopted as Samuel's son. And then in verse 25 it says, And when they had come down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the top of the house. They rose early. It was about the dawning of the day that Samuel called to Saul on the top of the house saying, Get up, that I may send you on your way. Saul arose. Both of them went outside, he and Samuel. And as they were going to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on. But you stand here while that I may announce to you the word of God. And so that's kind of where we left off there. His servant goes on ahead of him. And so now Saul... I'm sorry, Samuel is going to speak specifically to Saul, and he's going to do something here as we see here in chapter 10. So let's start here. It says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on his head, and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Now, because of the fact that Saul, as we mentioned last week, did not know who Samuel was, who's the high priest of Israel, who we were told for 20 years went around that area of Israel, getting everybody to uh, let go of their foreign idols and start to worship God once and, and for all once again. And then that's what brought the revival back. I find it hard to believe that Saul didn't know who Samuel was. But as we mentioned last week, it kind of goes to show that even though he was only five miles from where Samuel lived, that his dad did not pour into him spiritual things, which means he didn't go up to the feasts and the festivals. His dad might have, but he did not. And so he might not know, Saul might not know that as he's pouring oil on him or sprinkling him with oil, that he is being anointed as king. Things might be very strange to Saul right now. He's kind of going, Why am I eating with this guy? He's talking to me on the top. He's telling me all sorts of things about probably the God of Israel. He's probably taking time to educate him in a way that he hasn't been educated before. But it's not until now that he performs this service that was first uh, performed on priests in the book of Exodus. He's now pouring on to Saul. And he's probably going to have to explain that to him. That's why he tells his servant to go off. I'm explaining what I'm doing to him. You're becoming king right now. And I I can only imagine what's going through Saul's mind. He's probably just blown away. There's a lot of strange things that he has not been accustomed to up until this point. And so he gets anointed. The word anoint means to rub or sprinkle or apply liberally uh, an ointment or oily liquid to. Uh, Samuel pours it on his head. He's anointing his head with oil. The idea of anointing is much bigger than what Saul probably even understands at this point. Um, But this is a picture of what God is going to do to him spiritually as well. The Holy Spirit was being poured out on him, whether he understood that at the time or not, because he needs the Holy Spirit to equip him for the job of being king over Israel. In Exodus chapter 28, verse 41, we know the priests were anointed for this special service to the Lord. Literal oil would be applied as a sign of the Holy Spirit upon their lives and service. In 1 John 2.20, it says, But you, speaking of us as believers, it says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. As Christians in the New Covenant, we also have an anointing, 
But you have an anointing from the Holy One, it says. In the New Testament sense, the anointing has the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is something that is common property for all believers. When you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. 2 Corinthians 1.21 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us is God. In 1 John 2.27 it says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. Well, if this anointing teaches you, what does it say in John chapter 14 when, God's, when Jesus says, I'm going to be leaving you, but I'm not going to be leaving you an orphan. I'm going to send you who? A helper, uh, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who is going to do what? Teach you in all things. So Paul here in, for, in 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, in John here in 1 John 2, 27 is telling us that this anointing is the Holy Spirit who is going to teach you in all things. It's the same John who says in John's uh, uh, gospel there that, um, that it's going to be the Holy Spirit that comes and teaches you in all things. So the Holy Spirit and the anointing are one and the same, according to God's word in the New Testament. And so Saul is being called to oversee, to be a steward over what is most precious to God at this time. And it's the nation of Israel. And so he's anointing him. So he will have this precious leading of the Holy Spirit to take care of the people of Israel. And it's the same thing today as the Lord anoints us. He gives us a stewardship as well. But that stewardship isn't over a nation per se. That stewardship is over something very, very precious as well. It's called the gospel. We have something precious as well. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. That word in the old King James is a dispensation. The gospel is committed unto me. Woe is to me if I do not preach the gospel, for if I do this willingly, I have a reward, but if against my will, I've been entrusted with a stewardship, he calls it. This is a stewardship, and the stewardship that we have today is the gospel. God has entrusted us with that. He has entrusted us with that. And we need to understand that we are there to give it out through the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. He's going to show us when, how, all that. So in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 2, it says, when you have departed from me today, now here's something that I find very interesting, is that today, it seems like to me, when I watch televangelists, when I watch the prophecy hour or whatever it might be, and someone's teaching and there's a mass group of people before them, and there's this prophecy seminar going on, and the guy stands up there and he says, I'm sensing from the Lord that there's somebody here today that they're having issues with their back. Now, with the small sample that we have here today, how many people have back issues? Oh, well, look at that. How unusual. Wow. I mean, what are the chances? Uh, pretty much 100%. And so the things that they say are very vague, and yet the person's going, he's speaking to me, he's speaking about me, and, and they get wrapped up in this emotionalism. Samuel is going to prophesy, and I want you to understand how specific this is. 
When I read the prophets of old, and when they prophesy, things are very specific. He doesn't say, on your return home, you're going to run into some people. Well, you know, he's going six miles. Chances are, even in his area, he's going to run into some people, okay? He doesn't say that. Look what he says here. He says, when you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. So he says specifically, it's going to be at Zelzah. There's going to be two of them, and they're going to be by Rachel's tomb. Okay, that's about four miles away from where he is. Okay, and they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found, and now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worried about you saying, what shall I do about my son? All right, well, maybe he sent some guys ahead and said, I want you to do this when this guy walks by. All right. Then you should go on forward from there, come to a terebinth tree at Tabor. There are three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. Well, he's going to have to employ a lot of people to pull this off if this isn't from the Lord. And after that, you will come to the hill of God where the Philistines garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. There's a lot of things that once you lead my presence are going to happen to you. Why does he tell them that? Well, because I believe that, that one of the things that the Lord is trying to show Saul is that he didn't just run into a crazy man. Then anoint him with oil and go, okay, yeah, I'm going to be king. Sure I am, you know. And he's trying to give him some signs here that is going to show him that everything that he says will come to pass. It's going to come to pass. And so he gives him three things. And, and the first thing, he's going to meet a man. He's going to tell him his donkeys have been found, that your father's worried about you. And it could be that God might be showing Saul that he can take care of Saul's problems. Maybe this is a way of just saying, I know you're looking for the donkeys, but look how God has taken care of you. God can solve your problems, Saul. God can do this. The second thing you're going to meet, going up to Bethel, carrying three goats, three loaves of bread, a skin of wine, and they're going to give you two loaves. Why two loaves? Because there's Saul and his servant. So he's going to give them two loaves to take care of them on their journey. This could be God showing Saul that God is going to be the provider of all his needs. Not only can he take care of your problem, but he knows what your needs are. He knows you have to travel some distance to be able to get back home. And so you're going to need food for the journey. They're going to give that to you, to you and your servant. And the third thing, this sign has to do with spiritual power. Saul is going to meet a band of prophets returning from worship from the high place. They'd be prophesying. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to prophesy with them. And this is God's way of saying that his power is going to be with you, and you're going to need that for service, for what is it God is calling you to do. Very specific things. Very specific things. This is going to be a very good lesson for Saul to learn because later on, instead of understanding that our sufficiency is from God, 
Saul will time and time again act out on his own understanding. And he will try and become self-sufficient. And he'll try and do things on his own. And through his own understanding, he becomes rebellious and he starts to act out. And he's not falling in line with the way God wants him to be. When it says he'll be turned into another man, it means he will be unrecognizable as Saul. You know what? I, I've, I often pray, Lord, I hope I'm not recognizable as the Dave I was 10 years ago. I really hope that when I run into somebody that knew me growing up or in high school, that they can truly see that I'm not the same person anymore in a, in a good way. I hope that they see the joy of the Lord more. I hope that they see uh, I've grown in the person of Jesus Christ. This is my hope. That's my desire. And, and Saul is going to be seen as unrecognizable as Saul, as the person he once was. In verse 7, And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. Let me say another thing too. God accepts us just the way that we are, but he loves us way too much to keep us that way. He wants us to change. He expects us to change. He expects the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit to change who we are. And so in verse 7, and let it be that when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. And you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings, and to make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. Gilgal. I find that very interesting that they're going to Gilgal. But then again, I look at it as a place that in Joshua chapter 4, that there was a renewal of a covenant between God and Israel. And it seems to be another place where God is going to meet with now the king of Israel. And this seems to be a meeting place where God um, reaffirms or, or has that meeting with the nation. And so he goes down to, there to Gilgal again. And it says, seven days you shall wait. This is a very important command. Because here's something that none of us like to hear. Wait. You're going to wait seven days. See, this gets Saul in trouble in a few chapters from now. That he was supposed to wait, that Saul was going to do a, um, uh, an offering on his behalf, again reintroduce him to the people, and he doesn't wait, and he does the offering, on him, uh, does the offering himself. And it's at that point that now Saul, that God tells Saul that this is not a man after my own heart. And it's at that moment that he, he takes the kingdom away from him. And so it's that being able to wait on the Lord, is a, is a huge quality of a godly man and a godly woman. To be able to wait. We don't like to wait. I want it now. I'm going to push this through. I'm going to knock, knock, knock until that door finally opens. And we, and we look at that as a good thing. Well, I, I just have resolve. I have this. I have No, you need to wait. But we don't like to wait. And yet that is a great quality of a man or woman of God. He's just saying, okay, Lord, I'm just going to wait on you. You open the door, close the door, whatever you're going to do, but I'm going to wait on you. I believe that that's part of what it is with godliness, with contentment is great gain. You're able to be content in where God has you right now. 
You can pray for further, going further in this, that, or, or gosh, Lord, do you want me here? I'm content, but only if this is where you want me to be. But at the same time, I will also move over here if that's where you want me to go. But unless you show me that, I will be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Because if you don't have that, you're striving. And that's going to bring all sorts of stress into your life. And so he tells him to wait seven days. Uh, verse 9 says, So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. So as we continue on here, I want you to know it's not going to tell us of the other signs, but right there it tells us that all those signs that he said came to pass. But it's that third sign that um, the, the narrator here tells us it, it, it is the important part of the dialogue going forward here, because before that, all those signs came to pass. And then he just tells us here in verse 10, and when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? So people are watching him and they're kind of going, whoa, we haven't seen this before. You're going to be seen as another man, Saul. You're going to be seen doing things that you had never done before. I think that that speaks volumes of who we are in the person of Christ Jesus. Hopefully you're doing things that you're going, I never thought I'd be doing that. What's that? Dude, I, I never thought I'd be doing it. What's that? I'm working with five-year-olds, man, at the church. I never saw myself doing that. I've become a different person. They're going to go by and go, is that Joe in the nursery? You know, is that so-and-so working with the high school group? Is that so? There's, they should pass by and go, whoa, that's a different person. That's not a person I knew four years ago. That's not a person I knew a year ago. Look what they're doing. That's what they're doing with Saul. Look at him. He's prophesying with the sons of the prophet. Well, who are the sons of the prophet? The sons of the prophets would be a group that uh, that Samuel would be working with because he is the high priest. The thought behind this is, is is that this is a school that Samuel would have had as he's raising people up. And then all of a sudden you see Saul, a part of that. It's like, whoa, when did he join that? From what everybody knew about Saul, he wasn't interested about spiritual things. We never see him at the feast. We never see him at any of those things. And so they're going, he has become a different man. And then a man from there answered and said, but who is this father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? Because they're kind of going, wow, did he? is he part of this school too? Is he part of... And so the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, we see that God gives a person the Holy Spirit um, and, and to, in order to perform certain tasks. However, also in the Old Testament dispensation, we're able to see that sometimes God would also take the Holy Spirit away from a person. We're going to see that with Saul here in chapter 16, when verse 14, it says, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. It's one of the reasons why David, when he fell with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, he says, do not cast away your, me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Because that would happen. The Holy Spirit would come upon a person. The Holy Spirit also left um, Samson. And Samson didn't even know. One of the saddest 
verses there in that whole commentary that the Holy Spirit left and he didn't even realize. Well, that concludes today's edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Tune in tomorrow as we continue our study in 1 Samuel. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit with us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings. On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our young adults ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Castle Rock. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303 663 2514. We are so blessed you've joined us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Yeah.